This is the 20th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you! Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. It is uh, officially Bassmaster Open Week. It's also uh, the first week of the BPT. I don't know whether they're taken out of the Texas or Louisiana uh, on Toledo Bend, but they're on Toledo Bend, and the MPFL is also going on in Alabama, but I'm currently down in the great state of Florida, probably the warmest place in the country right now, hopefully, based on what I've seen for the outlook. And we are getting ready for the 2024 Bassmaster Open EQ season to start. We kind of kicked things off yesterday. Uh, Russ Lane, some really cool stuff uh, that Russ talked about that we didn't plan on talking about, but that's the beauty of the podcast. You can kind of go wherever it takes you and really enjoyed that. And today, uh, another uh, former Elite Series pro, he's fished uh, FLW2, uh, fished the EQs. Uh, regular, fairly regular, get them on once or twice a year on BTL and gearing up just like I am currently when we're filming this, we take off in a couple days for the Bassmaster EQ down on Lake Okeechobee. And that is Clark Green. Clark, thanks for jumping on BTL. I know that you're like probably just like me in the middle of the mad scramble trying to get all of the Cinco's and chatterbaits and stuff in the boat to go down and try to catch some fish on Okeechobee. Yeah, you know, we're kind of looking forward to it. We took a little uh, speed bump with the weather, you know, between the ice storms that we've had here. And now we're having torrential rains here at the house. So I actually don't have like a shop to put a boat in. So it's a real pain going out, waiting for a break in the rain, take stuff out there. And I'm kind of in between boats. In fact, the first day of practice, I'll be breaking in my 2024 Skeeter. You know, I did my last guide trip uh, my 2023 on Thursday, took it today, I did the wrap removed. And it, I mean, it's, those are the sort of things that when people say we're getting ready for the season or, you know, things are going on. Those are the behind the scenes stuff as a bass pro that people don't see to make your job happen. Is the new one rigged and sitting in the driveway? You just have to break it in or. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I picked it up a while back from uh Jurgis and Marine down in Beaumont. You know, that's the dealership I go through. Um, and then I, I took it straight to the rat place from there. Um, and from the rat place, I took it to my guys at Jones Marine Electronics and Texarkana. And it's, I mean, and a lot of guys don't see all the shuffling that happens with pros getting boats rigged, wrapped, doing all this stuff, traveling around, making these things happen. But it's just been sitting in the driveway because, you know, for one, we had all that inclement weather. I wasn't going to go out when it's 29 That's degrees brutal. out of AC. Um, you know, I didn't want to put fluids in it, you know, worried about, you know, different things breaking and, you know, and I had guide trips last week also with it being so cold uh, that I just used my old boat. Uh, and so now it's just a matter of getting things ready. And I've just made this strategic decision and not even put that boat in the water till I get to Florida. You spent most of your guide stuff on, uh, on, not on, on Rayburn. That's yeah. primarily where you guide, right? You don't, do you do a lot of uh, Toledo Bend these days? No, I, I don't. And I never really did. Even when I lived down there okay. at, even when I lived down in Huntington, which is kind of near Lufkin, north end of Rayburn, you know, when Toledo Bend was the number one lake in the country, I still had to drive across Sam Rayburn to get to Toledo Bend 
And Toledo Bend might have been an 11 out of 10 as far as quality of fishing, but Rayburn was a 9 or a 10 out of 10, you know. So I spent all my time there, and to be proficient offshore, uh, and that's primarily what I was doing was teaching offshore classes, you know, graphing and things like that. You know, you have to spend a lot of time on the water, and that's kind of what I'm known for at Rayburn is, you know, I've graphed, I don't know, 80% of the lake at this point in time, a lot of it multiple times. You said that last time. You know, that's a lot of water to graph. 114,000 acres, and I seriously have probably graphed 100, you know, 100,000. What's the 14,000 that you have it? Like, is there one section where you're just like, you know what? I've never even been in that part of the lake. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really deep water that I haven't messed around with. And uh, on the east side, you know, up the Ayesh Bayou Arm, I don't typically go up there. Um, so I, I don't really look around over there as much. But, man, it, when you're standing on the bridge, if you can see water, I've grafted, you know. <laughs> That's cool. So now you're just doing, are you doing tackle rods, reels, that type of stuff, actually getting the details done to be ready to go? Because that's what I've spent the last couple days doing. And uh, I'll tell you, I put my last tackle box in the boat yesterday and I didn't think I was ever going to see that time. Just, I mean, it looked like I robbed Omnia in my living room when I got there. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But then it's weird how it all like comes together at the end. Yeah. So, you know, realistically, I'm putting a lot of it in totes and put it in the back of my truck. Oh, really? Wait till I get to Florida. Um, it, it's just one of those things when you've got these torrential rains, I don't want to just get the boat nasty. Oh, that's true. And there's a few breaks in between and it's like, okay, I go out and tweak on this and do that. Uh, but as far as loading it up, I'm trying to take less tackle and gear at each event. But the tricky part right now going through all this stuff is, we go almost back to back from Lake Okeechobee. Then I'll come home for like four days and then we have to be at Lake Washita. And so you got diametrically different fisheries at that point. You're going from braided line, shallow, heavy, you know, heavy cover to gin clear water. Uh, I mean, I've got float and fly stuff I'm packing for that one. Um, and, and you're talking, you're going to have guys catching fish in 45, 50 foot of water. Um, and it's, it's going to be just totally different. So it's pack all your jerk baits, your little swim baits, your scoping stuff, everything else for one, and then packing your big stick and your frogs and, you know, shallow cranking and things like that for the other. So that's interesting. That's the same thing I did. So as I got ready, I went through everything for the year, you know, typically getting ready for the first year. And I put a wash a corner where, you know, when I came across my Demiki stuff or my rogue stuff or extra, I'm like, okay, this isn't going to Florida, but when I come back, I don't want to have to go through all this stuff again. I'm going to put all this in the corner. So I'm kind of packed for it where I can just pop everything out and then, and pop the wash toss stuff. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive into the schedule. We're going to talk about, uh, I talked with you a lot before last year. We're both, I would say fairly analytical when it comes to, I like to know what I think I need to accomplish at each event to qualify for the top nine. Uh, and then we're going to kind of break down each event, but I will say this last year going into it, I think both of us drastically underestimated what it would take to finish in the top nine consistently throughout the year. Fair statement. Yeah. And really the, the real statement on that is I think we underestimated the other competitors and, you know, hats off to these young guys because it's changing drastically. Like going into the season, I would have sworn that four or five of the top nine would have been former tour level guys, whether it was FLW guys, MLF guys, elite series guys, there was a whole variety there. Uh, you had a few BPT guys. And I think we underestimated the caliber of angler that are coming out of the college ranks. 
that are you know trained to travel the country, that have networks of information, uh, that know the technology. And that, that's a big part of it at this point. And I think we underestimated that, which coincided with the, you know, poor uh, analytics that we, we crunched. And we do that almost to a fault. You and I both and uh, several of these other guys that overthink everything. It is to a fault instead of just going fishing and doing what we're good at and just uh, making it happen. I mean, basically what we ended up doing is you go back, you take uh, historical data from either FLW, Bass, any local team tournaments, whatever. For that time of the year, you make sure there weren't any outlying factors and you say, what is it? What did it take to win? What did it take to top 10? What does it take to top 40? You come up with an average weight for each event. And I wouldn't say I underestimated the anglers. I, I think... I think that with the forward-facing technology, and that was the key that you mentioned, the electronics, I think that it made past history obsolete because historically tough fisheries at historically tough times of the year did not fish as they had in the past because you had a new breed of anglers that were fishing for fish that hadn't been targeted in those six, seven tournaments in the past 20 years of history that we've had on that fishery. Yeah, the, the other side of that is when, when you look at what it took, it's a testament to the anglers that did do well um, because, you know, for, and I tell people this and they want to talk about forward facing sonar, active target, dominating tournaments, uh, scoping, dominating tournaments, and it's changing landscape of it for every angler that has success doing it at an event. There's 10 dudes that get their, their teeth kicked teeth in. Kicked in. Yeah. No one wants to talk about that, Clark. Yeah. And, and so there's still a lot of guys that go out and try it. And I see it at Rayburn right now when I'm out there on guide trips. Every boat I see, there's two guys on the front, out in the middle of nowhere, offshore, staring at a screen. And it's like, okay, I could go out and do that, or I could take the bird in hand where I know there's a school sitting at and go pound on them. Or you can randomly go out and catch the same caliber of fish staring at the screen. And I think there's this, this shift where you've got almost three sets of anglers now at every event where you've got your scopers, you've got your offshore guys and you've got your shallow guys and they're not the same, even though guys scoping can do a little bit of all of that. You almost have to be pot committed to scoping and trying to make that happen. Or you're pot committed to going out and finding offshore fish, schools of fish, you know, traditional ways that guys used to do it with map chips and everything else and time behind their structure scan. Or then you've got guys that are pretty much saying, Hey, I'm going balls out and going shallow cranking. I'm going frogging, swim jigging, chatter baiting, things like that. And not a single one of them is wrong. Okay. Yeah. It's just what fits your style. But I'm seeing guys that aren't scopers that are trying to make it work on tournament time. And that's not the time to learn that because it's a way harder than people realize. That's a great point. All right. I got the schedule pulled up. This is something we typically do just over the phone where we're like, hey, what do you think about this? You want to just do it on BTL to give the folks a little idea of, of what we're thinking of. So obviously we start out on Lake Okeechobee and the thing that comes to mind on, on Lake Okeechobee is, is weather and pressure specifically with what we've experienced on Okeechobee over the last couple of years. Scott Martin talks about the high water, kind of the water wars that they have going on there. And we are going on the backside of the first Toyota series of that year. So Five days of practice for them, three days of tournaments for 200 Toyota Series boats. Their last day of the tournament, 230 of us with co-egglers roll in. Then we practice Saturday through Wednesday, and then that derby kicks off on Thursday. Uh, you look at some of the weights from Okeechobee over the past two years, and there have been some massive, massive bags of fish weighed in here. Is this going to be a slugfest, do you think? Or is it 
going to be high expectations with a lot tougher than expected due to uh, the conditions and the pressure on the fishery. I, I honestly think this is one of those events that we think pressure is a deal, but what people don't realize, and again, people on the outside that watch you know the TV shows, watch the lives, listen to these anglers talk about it, you know, Okeechobee is one of the absolute biggest lakes in the country. Mm-hmm. It only it fishes smaller than any other lake we're going to go to, except for maybe you follow Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> and again, that's another massive lake that's going to fish small, and it's because there's only certain areas that have fish. And you think, well, the pressure is going to hit these places. But what people don't realize is the fish down there in Florida, especially Okeechobee, they come in waves where they're not physically there to be caught in some of these little backwater areas some of these grassy areas. And you're waiting for spawning fish to basically materialize out of thin air, more or less open water, even though there's vegetation everywhere. You are waiting for the right fish to get into these areas to show up. And that's what everybody's kind of gambling on, even in practice. So even though there's a lot of pressure with this Toyota series that's going on this week, um, it, it seems like a lot of pressure, but it's still going to be the same areas because that's where fish are going. It has the right either fish, it has the right bottom composition, the right food source, whatever. But those are the areas of fish. And so even if these tournaments weren't there, the local pressure would be there, but it's new fish constantly coming in and out of those areas. So it's repopulating you know, throughout the spring. That's a good point. You want to do winning weight and top 45 cut weight since they gave us four additional spots to, to cash a life-changing check there, Clark? Well, in, in Let's check. do it all for, for all nine of them, and then we'll be able to see how, how close we are. All right. We, we're going to do a, a wager on this? Uh, yeah. What, what do you want to bet? Uh, let's see. I, I'm big on the, on the signed simoleons. All so right. let's do it. Let's do a, a, a signed five. A signed five. All at right, the I'll, end of the year. I'll hang up my shop. You can hang at the studio. <laughs> That'll work. I got, I got seven of them right there. <laughs> all right. Maybe. I'll be- all right. So win, winning weight, three, three day winning weight on this deal. I'm going to say 65 pounds. Okay. And three day. Top 45. Yeah, you mean two-day top 45? Oh, yeah, two-day top 45. Sorry. Get a check. I'm going to say 17 pounds. A day or total? Total. At Okeechobee. So less than 10 a day to get a check at Okeechobee. No, that's two days. Two days, 17 each day. Oh, 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 sorry. 27 pounds. My okay. Bad. Okay. I was like, my God, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not a cold front coming. Cause I remember that year home at one, it was nasty and there was a brutal cold front and a side story on that. I had a top 10 and my biggest bag was like 13 and a half pounds. And I had a top 10 in that tournament. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's rough. Uh, I'm going to go 72 on Okeechobee. I think there's been so many 30 pound bags out there. Someone's going to find a 30 pound bag, uh, which is, or even a low 30s or mid 30s and then be able to back it up and i think 15 a day gets a check there so i'm gonna go 30 30 for a top 45 and 72 for the dub all right you writing them down yeah well we also you know it's on the show so we can go back i don't want to watch your show again i've already well i will i'll be the one who goes through and does all this all right this is the most interesting one the most intriguing one to me on the schedule is this washita in february uh i mean you have 
Arkansas roots. Like, is there a chance this thing gets rescheduled? We just saw the thing. It's not. It'll be open. We'll be able to get on that water in mid-February. They might be putting salt or sand down on the ramp, uh, but I think we're having it. Okay. Uh, not a lot known about this lake. Most of this stuff has been FLW in the past. I think Brad Knight won a uh, cup there, primarily drop shotting, but we're talking like the middle of summertime. We're there. In- Clint Davis yeah, won. Clint Davis won on on piles. Isn't that also where Brad Knight won too? Brad Knight won it casting a drop shot like the lay downs, which was grinding to catch keepers. And then you got Scott Martin won on brush piles, throwing uh what a fish head spin, I think. And yep. Scott Suggs has won slow roll on a spinnerbait on brush piles, but that's all August stuff. Yeah, what are we talking mid-February on this thing? I've heard reports that it could be tough. I've heard reports uh, and you do some research where you're like, my God, that guy weighed in 25 pounds. Uh, well, here's the deal. This is one of the events I'm looking forward to the most for the year. For one, it's such a wild card because there's not a lot of information there for guys. Um, with it being the first EQ in that or the bat first open technically in that region, local hammers aren't going to be able to uh, jump in it. I mean, I don't know if Spencer Shuffield is in it or not. I mean, he's obviously would be on everybody's watch list for that deal. Um and there's a handful of guys I could name, but typically like in Arkansas, BFLs and stuff go to Washita, you know, early in the season, like that February. In fact, I think last year they actually had one canceled because of cold or snow or something <laughs> during that time. And and so, I mean, they schedule it. I hope not. I hope we have this event no matter how cold it is um, because it's, it's a fishery that is going to be, again, it's, there's three, three styles right here. You're looking at each event. You got your scopers, because again, it's got clear, open water, deep fish to be caught that are, you know, you can see 20 feet down at times there. Then you're going to have guys going up the river, which is going to be stained. And with all the rain we're getting, I don't know how much stain is going to be in the lake. But the lake, when I went and scouted it, was six feet low. Uh, wow. They're also getting four inches of rain here. There's a flood warning at the time of the recording this right now in Washita. And so you're going to get a lot of guys that are going to be shallow cranking, looking for stained water. Rattle trap's going to be a big player there. Red rattle trap's always a player that time of year. DT6s, shallow cranking, stuff like that. But you're also going to get guys, you know, down there throwing jigs in like 45 foot of water on rock piles and things like that. Um, it's got grass, it's got standing timber, rock. I mean, it's got a variety of cover. It's got docks, it's, you know, uh, in marinas. So it's got a total vast variety. And it's one of those events that if we could throw an A-rig, it'd be one on A-rig. Like 90% of the field would be A-rig. And it would 100% be one A-rig. And in fact, I asked one of my buddies that lives up there, and he said 17 pounds a day would win it. And I said, but we can't throw an A-rig. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so for my three-day guess on this, I'm going to say 45 pounds. 15 a day. 15 a day. Is this going to be hard to back up sacks? Mm-hmm. And two-day total to to get in the money two-day to get in the money i'm saying 24 pounds 12 a day two and a half pounders 10 two and a half pounders keeps you in the game 23 pounds <laughs> okay 23 pounds i'll go first on the net we'll we'll go two and two uh i i think it'll take a l- i have no idea on this exactly i have no idea because there have been some heavyweight bags in it, but those are also locals and probably under ideal conditions. We don't know what we're getting. And I think the lake is going to be changing a lot by the time we get there with 
this massive cold front we've had and all this rain. So I, I I'll go, uh, man, I was, I'm so shell shocked because last year I was so low on all of the, all of what I thought it would take. So I'll go 17 a day to win the event. Uh, you guys can do the math on that and I'll go, uh, 13 a day to cash a check. So 26. Yeah. Well, to cash you're a check. saying 51 to win. Yeah. 51 and, to win. And, and what to get a check? 13 a day, 26. 26. Well, I, I don't know who's going to be right on this, but here's the thing about the locals and look at those local events. And this is something that people need to keep in mind when they're looking at events coming to their home body of water. You're remembering that one great day, that one yeah, winning true. FL to back that up for three days in a row is where things get tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I don't think there's going to be like schools of fish. People can go beat up. And what people also forget about is there's 225 guys with five days of practice beating up the low-hanging fruit, the obvious deal, that discharge pipe, that duck blind, that obvious marina that looks good, that riprap 45 back panel swing is getting pounded every day, you know, 10 times a day by a guy cranking down that bank. That's a good point. Uh, I said it. I'll stick with it. (laughs) All right. So I'm breaking this season basically into thirds is the way that I'm kind of looking at it. And the first third, and this is a brutal stretch because Okeechobee is a fishery you don't want to mess with. You got to know how to get around. Very easy to suck on it. Uh, Washita, a little bit of a wild card. Weather is going to be a factor. And then we go to the beast that is Santee Cooper. Uh, There will have been a Bass Pro Tour event on Santee a couple weeks before we're there. But a very interesting time of year. The second week in March, we start practice on March 2nd. Tournament uh, begins the 7th through the 9th on Santee. A lot of history here. Elite Series has been there the past two years. We've seen 100 pounds take to win it. We've also seen it be stingy on the back end to get a check. Uh, I'm... I'm very optimistic about uh, Santee, but I think a lot of what weight and how much it takes to win on Santee is going to be massively weather dependent. And if we hit the spawn, it's then going to become, how is that place going to handle 230 boats and who is going to figure out that the spawn started if it starts on Wednesday or the first day of the tournament and wasn't going on early. And then also, are those fish going to be in pre-spawn or spawning, or a mixture of both, and then what is the water level, and what is the water clarity, and how many of these guys in the opens are going to know how to get around that place, too, because it's a it's a daunting fishery, so all sorts of factors involved uh, in Santee Cooper. I still think it's going to take uh, 22 a day to win that event, so 66 pounds, no, two, four, yeah, 66 pounds to win on Santee Cooper, 15 a day to get a check. You're going to be pretty close on that. Um, I'll, I'll take the 67 to win. So, okay. I mean, that's basically what we're going to do on that one, the over on Mm -hmm. that one. And man, I I think you pegged that perfectly. Um, I haven't looked at past weights and I don't know, when was when did Preston Clark win? What was the date of that window right there? Because that's kind of a litmus right there where Santee Cooper was kind of brought back on the national scene when Preston Clark caught that, you know, had the hundred and something bag. Remember that? Yeah, that would have been in uh two 
2006. 2006. Uh, uh, this was post-January. It doesn't say the actual date on here. Because that tournament was a perfect window to what we're going to deal with. Because from the guys I talked to, and that was prior to me being on the Elite, and that was the only time I've ever actually been to Santee was the Bassmaster Open that was there like a week later or two weeks later that James Niggemeyer won. Um, and it was all or nothing. You were either sight fishing or you could not get a bite. Okay. But I remember guys practicing for the elites that said there was nothing on beds in practice. And they pulled up like the last day of practice in the afternoon. So guys that April 2nd, what's that? April 2nd, April end 2nd. of March. So it's a couple weeks. It was a couple weeks later. Yeah. See, I think we're going to be too early. You know, of course, if El Nino hits and we get the weird weather pattern and it warms up, I honestly think we're going to be a week or two too early. And so uh, that's probably going to make the weights go down a little bit as far as the overall check weights. Um, So I'm going to say 28 to get paid. Uh, But it's still going to be where the pre-spawn fish that are going to be full of eggs. So the winning weight is still going to be big. But I, I think and this was the one that I was hoping we would be able to sight fish because it's probably the only one on the schedule. And I love bed fishing and sight fishing. Uh, that's one of the techniques that I think I excel at. Um, and I think we're just going to be too early is going to be the problem. When was the last Bassmaster open that was a full on sight fishing tournament? Because there has not been one since I've fished for the last four years. If you can remember, there was a few fish caught off beds at Eufaula in Alabama this past year. And I know you have a couple guys that have caught fish off beds, uh, uh, here and there. Like there was some at, uh, Ross Barnett a couple years ago, suck a few at Toledo Ben caught, but where it was, you know, you look at your buddy and he's like, I need a good draw because I've, I've, I've got these and the I wouldn't say the majority, but there's a big section of guys that are banking on looking at them. I, in my recent memory, I can't remember an open that went down that way. I, I can't either. And, and I gambled on those at Toledo Bend last year and got mm-hmm. totally burned. I mean, like I had a great boat draw, ran to the one I wanted to start on. And what people don't see, again, you see what's on the sheet at the end of the day. You don't see the locals that caught those bedfish the day before the tournament because it, they're in droves, you know, beating up those fish at Toledo Bend. And it, you know, there just wasn't enough to make it work. And that's what people don't realize is for a sight fishing tournament, like the moon and stars truly have to align. You have to have fish coming to you because they're getting picked off hard. Um, and But what we're seeing with this new crop of scopers is a lot of those fish aren't being hit as hard as they would be normally. These guys are looking for other types of fish. And I know that you follow this year on day one, there was, it was a big player on day one that you follow uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then it okay, they're almost all done, you know, and yeah. I know guys, I got paid sight fishing. I know Drew Cook got paid sight fishing and there was a handful of other guys that got paid sight fishing, but there was a lot of guys that, that bombed trying to make it work or they just ran out of fish. But I don't know a single open that when the last time it was that big of a player. That'll be interesting. All right. That's kind of the first third of the season. Then we have, uh, basically six weeks off before we get into kind of the middle stretch with some new fisheries on it uh we're going to take our first break of the show when we come back we'll dive into kind of the meat of that open season stops number four five and six talking with uh opens pro former lead series former lead series angler tiktoker (laughs) tiktoker full-time guide yeah uh I prefer a professional entrepreneur. (laughs) Clark Ream, it's BTL. We'll be back right after this. 
The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right, welcome back, BTL with Clark Ream, going through the 2024 Bassmaster Open EQ schedule. Like I said, we had a little break after the first three. We just broke down Okeechobee, Washita, and Santee Cooper. I'll tell you what, folks. If you want to make your life a lot easier, go to Staples, Office Max, whatever you got in here, and they have 2024 yearly planners. They're four by six. They're done breakdown with each month, with a day in each month. You can put it on your wall. When you see me, I'm looking up here. I've done it since 2007. I block out everything that's personal that I'm going to be out of town. I block out like iCast, the classic, that type of stuff. And then I have the days that I'm going to be gone. So I can look at that and kind of see the year as a whole. Great life hack. One of the few life hacks that I have uh, because I typically don't make things very easy on myself. But all right. So we have a break basically from March, which is the weirdest thing that I've ever thought, which I understand because of scheduling and the Elite Series. But what you would consider prime bass catching time of the year, the second week of March through the last week of April, no open EQs. Did that surprise you when the schedule came out, Clark? You mean fishing season? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the tournament season. We do have the Bassmaster Classic there to go work. Um, you know, neither of us qualified to fish it this year. Uh, so we got to throw that into the schedule. But, man, honestly, I, I love it because, you know, my son is 13 now. 
Um, he's starting to fish more. I got school activities and you were talking about your, your calendar. I mean, you're, I mean, you're dating somebody, but you're not married. You don't yeah. have any kids, you know, and it's crazy juggling those schedules on the calendar, but it's going to enable me to spend time with my family during a time I'm not usually home, but it's also going to enable me to guide more during that prime time where people really want to just go out and catch fish. If I want to take people to go learn how to sight fish and do some of those things. So that's, I'm actually looking forward to that, but I've been fishing full time now for 16 years, uh, almost 17 years. And it's the first time I can recall never having a tournament in the month. It is. It's wild when you look at that. Now, I personally like it because uh, when I grew up in Oklahoma, not grew up, but since I moved to Oklahoma, you know, I started covering tournaments for Bassone immediately out of college. So the time that I was able to fish was winter time, the middle of summer and late fall when there were no tournaments going on. The least amount of time I have on the water over the last 15 years is March and April because for 13 years, I was either at an FLW Tour event, a Bassmaster Classic, or a Bassmaster Elite Series event covering it. So I've watched a lot of fish get caught those months. It's the supposedly the easiest time to catch them. For me, it's my toughest time. So when I saw it, I was like, hell yeah, let's get that out of the way and not have to survive an April tournament. But there is one uh, where practice starts at the end of April. Logan Martin Lake in Lincoln, Alabama, another fishery that has a lot of focus on it. Uh, you can kind of tell which cities are putting a priority on, on fisheries because uh, the Alabama Bass Trail was just there uh, this past week. It was like 10 degrees outside and the water temp was 35. And then the NPFL is going there. Uh, the... They're there right now, actually, as this is airing, uh, practicing for it. But I don't know a lot about Logan Martin. I've never been to Logan Martin. Uh, I assume it's a spotted bass, largemouth grass bank docks fishery that's similar to Neely Henry and some of the other, like, you know, Lay and Smith and all that. But I honestly have no clue. Yeah, it's a Coosa River Lake. And, okay. Uh you know, I, the last time I've only been there once, it's when Justin Atkins won that open that was there in like September. Okay. So different in September than it's going to be in May. Um, and it will be one of the most diverse fisheries uh, for junk fishing. That's why you see these guys from the Alabama area that are really good junk fishermen, your Wendell's, your, your Scott Canterbury's guys like that, that are able to go junk and shallow, skip a jig on a dock over here go throw some top water over there. Shad spawn first thing in the morning. If we get out early enough, um, you know, it's guys are going to catch them again, scope in there. You're going to get guys run up the river. Current will determine a lot of that. Um, but I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of smaller brush piles, fish are going to be post spawn. Uh, there will be, you know, quite a few dock fish caught, but I think that shad spawn type morning bite is going to be the biggest player uh, for a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, there's going to be, a lot of options on how people want to catch swim jig. I mean, this is north central Alabama, so that time of year, there very well may still be a lot of fish on beds as well. Yeah, it's kind of that same time that the elites were on lay last year, I think. And there were oh, that was brutal, wasn't it for them? Yeah, but it, there was still a few on beds. Um, I think the population of fish is good, but if I remember right, there was there was a lot of smaller spotted bass. Um, but there's been a lot of a lot of the history there, you know, from FLW going, you know, having forest wood cups, a lot of that was like shaky heading on docks and things like that. So I imagine a shaky head still going to be a big player for this event. This is the one thing that caught my attention. 
it's a 17,000 acre fishery. You know, we're going to Okeechobee, one of the biggest. We're going to Santee Cooper, one of the biggest. Washita spreads them out. There's a ton of water at Washita. 17,000 acres may seem big. You put 230 boats on it. Do you have any concept of, is this going to fish big or is this going to be a very tight quarters fishery? It, you know, it, a lot of it's going to be bank bidding or within, you know, mm-hmm. 20 of the bank. Um, but unlike you follow Oklahoma, which seemed to have everybody in the same, you know, six mile radius, five mile radius. Okay. I think people will be spread from dam to dam on this event. And I think the quality of fishing, I think is going to be dependent on what sort of rains they get for, you know, current flow to whether or not a lot of these fish are going to bite all day. And also it depends on what that morning bite is going to be as far as them taking us off at daylight or an hour after daylight, is, you know, there's a tendency a lot of times that safe light to creep back further and further away from the actual, you know, window of time there. And if you're in a later flight, you may be, you know, if you're in boat 200, you might be launching 40 minutes after the first boat takes off. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, numbers being flipped is going to be a big deal. And I think it's going to be one of those tournaments where you guys are just going to move around a lot, cover a lot of water, pick them one off here and there. Again, it's just going to be the classic junk fishing, pick up a shaky head, pick up a jig. There's some top water, shallow crank, just <laughs> stuff. Uh, over under on how many people show up to their VRBO on Lake Martin and then realize that they're at the wrong lake in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish we were on Lake Martin. We went there uh, for MLF right when COVID hit. We were actually there for that event, and they implemented COVID protocols during that deal. And that lake was awesome. Just numbers are stupid good at Lake Martin also. And I the size lake that could handle you know an open so i'm surprised we haven't been down there at all i'm gonna go 42 pounds to win this thing 11 and a half pounds a day to cash a check could be way off on that but i'm going, uh, I'm going 46 to win it Seventeen thousand acres transition time of the year spotted bass fishery those are pretty safe numbers yeah there's there's gonna be some guys that have spent a lot of time graphing uh, and five days of practice is a lot to go look for docks that brush, things like that, little subtleties. And so, again, I'm thinking 46. And, you know, you have Russ Lane on yesterday. He's going to be a threat in that tournament big time. I mean, he's probably going to have as much experience on that lake as anybody that's in the EQ. Uh, there might mm-hmm. be some locals that get in it, uh, but I'm sure his experience will be awfully vast for that fishery. Uh, check, I'm going to say 12 a day, 24 pounds. I'm looking forward to that one. I've never been there. I don't know much about the fishery at all, but uh, I did well on Neely Henry when the Open went there. I really like spotted bass fisheries. I like the way that sets up to me. I plan on locking a spinning rod in my hand and catching a bunch of angry little spotted bass and hoping five of them are bigger than average. But I'm just glad we're not going there first (laughs) because I, I know a lot of guys fished that Alabama Bass Trail event and they were not very happy to have gone out with the ice and everything else but i mean it still took like seven <laughs> yeah and uh andrew loberg who won that event with his partner he's fishing all nine. Oh, is he wow. yeah california dude he's won yeah. multiple toyota series moved to alabama so and i would joey, imagine joey nania is gonna be a major player he guides. And he, yeah he guides he does everything there yeah he's gonna be a threat so i mean there's three guys right there on the watch list for that event yeah, and do you want to go against uh, Cody Meyer on a spotted bass fishery in May? I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's going to be a threat as well. Yeah, 
yeah. a bunch of guys that are going to be a threat on that one. That's interesting. Then we've got another six-week break, uh, <laughs> all of May and the majority of June, and then a return trip, the first return stop on the schedule, uh, the third week of June, the 20th through the 22nd, on Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma. Lake that I've spent a lot of time on, a lake that I put a lot of time on preparing for the past event. And believe it or not, Clark, there are more than three spots on that lake where you could catch a bass. It was a weird deal last time, the way that it that it shook out. It's over 100,000 acres. There is a lot of dead water on it. But I think this was just a, a case of the lake was fishing a little bit funky and a herd or pack mentality was taken by so many anglers because they had never been to that lake before. There was zero history on that lake before. And there's some very obvious spots on that lake where obviously a lot of the fish population lives. But if it is fishing like it, quote, should, and now I'm going to say, I'm not like a guru on you follow, but I like it. I enjoy it better than nine pounds a day there. I can promise you that. <laughs> it, it will, uh, it'll take 17 a day to win and it'll take 14 a day to finish in the, in the top 40. It is very weather dependent on that lake. Wind can really pack people into specific areas. Water clarity can really pack people into specific areas. And water level can also play a big impact on how much fishable water there is. So normal conditions, uh, what, 17, 18 a day to win that 14 a day to cash a check. So 28 and I think, what, 54, 55. All right, so let me ask you this. Okay, yep. This is a perfect example. Local knows the lake. Uh, spent a lot of time there. Yep. You know. How surprised were you, though, of how many anglers found a lot of your juice in those five days of practice and beat it up? I was surprised at how many anglers obviously did their homework before that event because there's a lot of little things on that lake that I think I I drove 11 places on day one before I was able to find a place that someone wasn't on. <laughs> and I wasn't planning on that. Like it wasn't, you know, in my opinion, wasn't the obvious stuff. But that lake sets up like that. It's a pattern lake. It's easy to find stuff on that lake. And, what and surprised me was how the areas where they were caught in lasted that long. I thought for sure that there would be so much cannibalization on day two that you'd be able to make a big comeback if you were doing something a little bit off the wall that worked. And they caught them just as good on day two as they did day one. It was the most chaos that I've ever seen in a spot in my entire life of fishing. I counted 61 boats. I was like boat 131 on day two. And sixty-one. I passed 61 boats at takeoff that were all fishing within less than half a mile. 61 in less than half a mile. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, it was pretty brutal. And look, I mean, you know, I, I'm arguably one of the kings of research, okay? The amount of map study, that all the work that I do is, you know, probably rivaled by very few on tour. Um, and that's what I'm known for, GPS is manipulating that type of work, map work and things like that. And it, you know, they were on the obvious stuff. And it got beat up. It got beat up hard in practice. The top water bite that was great starting out in practice got non-existent beat up. in the tournament. Yeah, I mean the whopper flopper bite, the buzzbait bite was stupid good right when we got there. And then just five days of it just getting pounded and pounded, you might as well just put that stuff up. Um, ultimately, it 
most of the guys that caught them caught them finesse fishing, you know. And I think the the biggest wild card and you nailed it is we hadn't had much rain up in that area, and so most of the one key area was fairly clear. And so if we get a lot of rain and you get high water like you're prone to get in Oklahoma, you get it flooded up in the bushes. The flipping bite might be stupid good, and that was when the weights would get wide open. Um, you know, weight wise to win, I, I think you're looking at. And, and last time the bigger bags came in on day two, like there was <laughs> mega bags on day two, uh, but it's going to be hard to replicate. Uh, what do you say for winning weight for three days? Uh, yeah, I said 17 a day. I think because we've already been there once it eliminates a, a lot of the time that guys are going to spend more time is going to be spent beating up on the key stuff. Um, I'm going to say, Oh, 42 to win. It's going to take less. It's going to be a grinder. It's going to take less. And it, you said 14 a day to get paid. Yeah. No way. It's going to take 12 a day, 24. Mm. Is, is again, by the, it's, and it may take less than that because again, the MPFL has been there now. The mm-hmm. We were there and this people aren't running around having to look at that place way up that one river. They're not wasting their practice days, even though we're getting more guys that are probably scopers. Um, and that's what's going to sustain there was, again, there were some really good scopers in that open. They got burned in that tournament big time and, you know, they got big bites, but they only got a couple bites a day. That's kind of the middle, the middle stretch, those two, the Alabama and the Oklahoma event. And then we kind of go up North for three. They're kind of spaced out a month apart. Uh, the home stretch that I would call Lake St. Clair, uh, right after the 4th of July, where their practice starts on the 6th, the tournament's the 11th through the 13th. I don't think there's a whole bunch to talk about here. We kind of know what to expect. We know how it's going to go down. We know what weight is going to take. The only thing that's going to be a difference is water clarity, wind, and if Lake Erie plays. Yeah, wind is going to be the biggest determining factor. because, And I, I'm to the point now, I kind of hope we get a bunch of wind for that event. <laughs> it's going to be less of a scoping event the more wind we have because it infinitely gets harder. These guys won't be able to keep the transducer down in the water. Um, but I know one thing that you've not seen anymore is guys making these big drifts, popping a tube, things like that. Um, and I'd rather take the scoping advantage out of it, even though I can do it. Most of us can do it to some degree at this point, but a lot of us don't like doing it. I want to go up there and I want to throw that crankbait and burn that crankbait back because that's how you catch absolute donkeys up there. Um, you lose a bunch of the really big ones, but I'd rather go and go crank than have to go scope and pitch a worm out. But, you know, it's, we know the community whole areas. There's enough research there. Is Erie going to be a player? Is it going to be any better than St. Clair? I, I don't think it will be. Depends if Pipkins jackpots it. <laughs> it's whether or not Erie will be a player. It's the first EQ. So, or the first one in that division. So you're not going to be able to get. Oh yeah. It'd be a full. Yeah. And it'll be a full division, especially with them going to Wisconsin and Minnesota and those guys being starved to jump in with a shot at the classic. Now, that I'm, I'm wanting to go fish the most, like, you know, I'm looking for the tournament aspect of Washita, I think uh, the most, uh, but St. Clair is just one of my all time favorite lakes. And I mean, anytime, and I tell people this, you know, where I live down here, people are like talking about going to OHIV and going to Falcon or going to Mexico. People tell me, oh, Okeechobee's on my bucket list. I'm like, no, nah, forget all of that. For the same amount of money that it's going to cost you to go on one of these other trips, you need to go to St. Clair once in your life. If you've got a kid that fishes, 
for their senior trip in high school or whatever, take them to St. Clair, St. Lawrence, Champlain, whatever. That is an absolute trip that any angler needs to put on their bucket list because it is so much fun. What's your weight? Uh, weight to win, uh, 23 a day. 23, 23, 23. I just did the math. I got 70 pounds to win. All right. I'll take, I'll take, tweets. I'll take 69, take 70. <laughs> okay. That'll work. And it's always like, isn't it always like 18 to cash a check there? 18 and a half a day to cash a check, like regardless of what's going on. Yeah. 18 a day to cash a check is what I'm going to say. Now right. I think that FLW event that was stupid that, uh, Chad Grigsby almost broke a hundred pounds. Yeah, that was a spy bait event, wasn't it? It was a whatever you wanted to throw at. <laughs> I, I hope it turns into that. Like, I mean, like I'm I looking had, forward to that one. I had like 21, 18 and a half because all five of my fish died because of getting choked out with, with gobies and, and mayflies and everything else in the box. They all, I mean, all my pumps got clogged. So all five of them died. And then I had like 22 or 23 pounds, but should have had 26. And I didn't make a top 20. I mean, that's <laughs> how that event was. All right, wild card. One of us, I don't think very many people had this one on the radar. The guys up in Minnesota did. Uh, Leech Lake, August 22nd through 24th. We got wild rice in play. We have rogue smallmouth in play. We have big largies, big smallmouth, a lot of boats on a fishery that's not used to a lot of boats for that number of day, and a fishery that, based on what I have talked to from my friends in Minnesota can be absolutely treacherous to be on. If there's wind, I don't think outside of Minnesota, there's many guys that have spent a lot of time on leech. I'm sure the guys who are in the hunt by then going into the last three events will go pre-practice leech following St. Clair. This is an interesting one. <laughs> this is a very interesting one. And I think 95% of the guys are looking at it the same way that I am. I, I did a TikTok live the day that the schedule came out. And uh, I had Rich Lindgren, hella bass. Yep, a lot guy of, cuts his hats off. <laughs> Visor gang or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, and again, he is, he's got a lot of knowledge in, in the world of fishing. He follows pro fishing. I've known him for a long, long time. Like my entire career, he's followed it. Um, and we, we talked about it and you, you nailed it. Rogue smallmouth. That's the tricky dynamic on this event because from what I understand, if you can figure them out, you know, that's the opportunity. You're a rock star. Yes. That's going to be the opportunity to win with mega bags. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to be kind of like those Sandusky events that you've been seeing where guys catch smallmouth to win, but the majority of the field is going to have to catch largemouth doing traditional stuff, frog and swim jig. Those are going to be your two deals that you're going to hear a ton about. Frog and swim jig and flip. It's it's Northern Lake in the summer, full of fish. I'm sure most of the largemouth are going to be stupid. I mean, guys have told me about, you know, 50 fish days. Now, um, here's, the, here's the caveat on that. They're going to be stupid for five days of practice too, Clark. Bingo. What's the over-under on how many guys are going to tear something up on that event? <laughs> I don't know if it's treacherous to run just as much as the wave action is on that from what I've heard. Like I, all the guys I was up at the uh, St. Jude Bass Classic this past year when the schedule was out, everyone had a story of either them or someone they knew who got stuck out on uh, on leech and either destroyed everything or thought they weren't making it back in. Gotcha. 
leave the keys in the gas cap is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So this is the wild card on weight. I'm I'm going to say 19 a day to win. Okay. Uh, and, and again, that that's just, you know, Northern Fishery that's got them. I know there's a lot of largemouth that's going to be there. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of five and six pound largemouth. I've heard it's chock full of three pounders. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say 19 a day to win. And I'm going to say 15 a day to get paid. Because in those scenarios, you think, well, there's it's full of three pounders. But a lot of these guys are calling two and a half and two and three quarter pounders, three pounders. Mm-hmm. And they're misjudging those, you know, five, two and three quarter pounders is 14 pounds and five, three pounders is 15 pounds. And so, you know, guys misjudge that weight kind of. And that seems to be when you go to these northern lakes, that's what you get is a lot of those three pound class fish. I'm going to go 60 to win, say 20 a day to win, just because it seems like there's a lot of volatility to smash them three days in a row, especially on the small mouth. I think there's going to be a lot of sore lip, large mouth going, what in the hell is going on for five days leading into this? So I think 14 and a half a day cashes a check. But I think a lot of guys are going to have their feelings hurt in this one, thinking they're going to bust 20 plus pounds and then wonder where their fish went. I tell you this, there's probably going to be more comments on this podcast right here about this this lake that we're talking about 100 percent. because the fan base up there and i remember the first time we ever went to lacrosse for an elite series event and it was crazy those fan base up there in the north and it's nice to see kind of like this north central deal instead of going to new york and that that range all the time seeing this north central you get a whole other fan base that's rabid about fishing you know that's going to show out and be excited and, and i'm probably going to have the biggest crowd at the weigh-in it wouldn't surprise me at this event you have family up there no no i'm you not gonna fans have... fans oh, just the biggest crowd in general because here's what i you see when you see elite series events or whatever else go to a fishery for the first time is those fan bases come out of the woodworks for that opportunity to come watch the weigh-in be part of Bassmaster. and there's enough guys with star power fishing the EQs, they're going to be excited to see a lot of this stuff. And I'm sure they're going to get a lot of volunteers because I think the Federation type angler, there's a lot of those up in that point and they're proud mm-hmm. of their So you're going to see a lot of that community engagement there. Good point. Then two weeks later, you mentioned it, lacrosse, Wisconsin. I think this is another straightforward event. There's been a ton of events there. We know what the variables are. It always takes between 14 and 15 and a half to win it 12 and a half to 13 to cash a check the question is will it be close will it be far uh how much grass will be in play and water water level will be a major deal and i think i think it's that time of year it's typically low but the biggest wild card of anything there and we saw it last year i'm really good friends with matt stefan and look i watched that final day and it was as big of a nail biter for a weigh-in as I've ever seen. Yeah, it didn't look box. easy, too. It didn't it, look easy on that final day. The final day was tough, but the barge traffic about killed those guys that were all going to make the top five. And you watch, because there was a barge, and they were, they were counting it down. Like, you couldn't tell. And it's like, okay, I knew how long it took to get from that lock to the weigh-in. But it's like, all right, you know, is it, is it gonna, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And it wasn't over-dramatized on the live because that's the way it truly is there. And, I mean, there's guys that are about to throw up that are like, you know, like Matt, perfect example. He's got a chance to win and make the BPT, 
But at the same time, if he does not make it through that lock, he starts counting down, okay, I'm going to lose for every minute. It, it's a pound. <laughs> yeah. And we're also at the point of the year, too, where you're going to have guys that are in the hunt that need to continue to catch them that are going to be in that scenario where they're saying, hey, guys, you're not guaranteed to get back, but they know that's where the best fish is going to go. And they know if they don't get through that lock that they just fished seven events and the one before the last one got them in the lock. Yeah, it's it's one of those strategy events. Do you lay down a bunt if you're in the hunt to make the EQs? I think it depends on where you're at in the points. Um, but I'm telling you, that pool eight gets absolutely pounded. And with five days of practice, I've only been there with three days of practice or two days of practice. And 100 guys. And 100 to 150 guys. So 225. I mean, what were the weights that year? And what year was it that they went in the fall? You pull that up? Yeah, I think it was like 16 a day. Yeah, so it was still pretty rancid, you know, but it didn't take all, there weren't a whole lot of limits, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it's always been, it's always been a fun tournament to watch, but no, I mean, guys enjoy it, but it's stressful for them. Well, the thing about 225 guys when a place like lacrosse is low is that you take out half the fishable water. Mm hmm. And that has a major factor in it because then it draws all this fish out of the backwaters. You can't even get to the backwaters um, without tearing stuff up if you can even get to them. Um, but even like in that MLF event last year, I mean, one of the guys that apparently dominates up there in the BFLs and things like that made multiple All-Americans. He was way, way, way up in some nasty, you know, you know vegetation. So that's a needle in a haystack. <laughs> you know, and it's, so with 225 beating that up, it's going to be hard to find virgin water or to time things out. You know, it's going to be a tricky deal. I'm going 40 pounds to win. 40 pounds to win. I'm going uh, 44 to win. And I'm yeah. going 11 and a half, 23 to cash a check. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I go 24. I mean, it's, all right. Is it again, we're on the same page on a lot of these deals. So it's take the over under so I can take the five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then the year concludes in October, early October, on Lake Hartwell. Uh hadn't opened there two years ago. We've had multiple Bassmaster classics. We've seen how that goes down. Your thoughts, initial thoughts on Lake Hartwell, the I don't uh, October tenth through twelfth. I don't think there's a community in the United States that's spending more on bass fishing than that Anderson, South Carolina community. I mean, you look at the sheer number of high school tournaments, regional events there, you know, all the circuits are going there at various times through the year. You know, they're kind of diversifying their fishery throughout the year. So it's not like a place is like, all right, we're going to have all these pro events, but they're going to all be in January, you know. Mm -hmm. It, and they are having more and more events. Um, I've never fished it other than in the winter. I fished uh, Bassmaster Classic there. I fished several FLW events there. Um, and, I mean, I don't have cane piles. <laughs> we know there's going to be a player. I know I know. Matt Pangrag is going to go scope cane piles <laughs> and pick fish off. But I also know that half the field is going to go scope cane piles, you know, to go catch those fish. Um <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm going to defer it to you on this because again, you've got more experience that time of year. I just know that it's going to be a stressful event for a handful of guys because you may be stuck catching spotted bass. You need that one large mouth kicker uh, to make the elites and it could be very frustrating. Mm -hmm. 
here's the thing about Hartwell. You could run the exact same spots and the exact same pattern with the exact same baits as another guy. And he comes in with 17 and you come in with 11. It's real hard to get above that three and a half. The fish are very smart there. They, they've seen a lot of everything. There are no secret baits anymore. And the wild card is definitely who has the guts to try to make that river bite work for largemouth. Uh, two years ago in that open there, there's a local, I can't remember his name. All I had to do was catch a couple fish on the last day. And he blows the thing out on largemouth. Shane Leinberger had one over seven on a buzz bait while it was one on spotted bass by Tristan McCormick. There was a lot of opportunity for a guy, uh, to, to run up, I think it's like with the Seneca, the Tougaloo and those, and, and get on some large mouth, uh, with how much pressure is from that green pond all the way down to the bottom end. But, uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's the one that, that I have circled on the schedule. And my goal is to make it to that last one and then let the chips fall where they may. I've made no bones about it on detail. It's my favorite fishery in the world. If I had to move anywhere, I'd move to the Hartwell area. And I don't care if there's a thousand scopers out there, you know, doing the stuff with the fairy wad. I'm going to be a thousand and one just because I love it. <laughs> but but you bring up a good point, though. You know, when Tristan McCormick won their scoping, that was also pre 75 percent of the field being able to scope. That's not true. There was there were 150 guys down there doing the same thing. Yeah, well, that's that's less than seventy five percent of the field. <laughs> no, not one hundred seventy five out of two hundred thirty. There were one hundred and fifty guys. I bet you there were one hundred fifty guys doing the same thing. Well, it, it's the point now. More and more people have that in their back pocket, and they mm-hmm. know the pattern. They go out and practice that. They think they have to do it to be competitive. And so, is that going to free up like that river bite to not get as much pressure? That's what I said that's very well made. And you know, are we going to see any new techniques or something that's going to make a difference coming out? for all that stuff, you know, typically, you know, those big bite type techniques to catch bigger bags, they don't work come tournament day. And, you know, we talk about the top water getting less and less throughout the practice period and come tournament time, that's less of a player, but that's typically how you catch those bigger herring fish and stuff in the round piles or whatever else. Um, so again, it's a lot of those piles are going to be found. Um, I'm sure there's guys right now that are singing piles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that event. Um, Dude, there's but, thousands of them out there. You literally, there's almost too many of them out there now. I believe it. And it's one of those events that scares me to some degree because that nervousness I would have if I'm in that final set of guys in that top 15 going into that event because I think things could go bad for somebody because there's no lay down a bunt. You know, let me go catch 11, 12 pounds of spotted bass. <laughs> you know 13 but there is the potential to be driving down the lake or sitting on the point and three and a half to five pound largemouth come up chasing blueback herring and you fire top water out and you catch two five pounders on the same cast and you go from three spotted bass for five pounds in your live well to a limit with 19 pounds in your live well in 10 minutes and you go what the hell just happened it just turned into sea world and then they're gone and they never come up that, I remember it in the Bassmaster Classic in uh, 2008. That happened to Dave Wolak. Like two fish came up, some fish came up schooling there in, in February, and he threw out there and had caught like two five pounders. I was rooting. Yeah, it happens. I've seen it out there. It's it, you're like those are striped. Don't. No, that's big largemouth. Like I pulled up on a brush pile there one time, and I like looked down, 
this was in the bass nation championship and i was like man i am way off of like what the hell like i was fishing this this big tree top like three four times during the day because i knew there were fish that lived around it and i dropped my trolling motor and i'm like looking and i'm like how am i 25 feet away from this pile it shows that it's you know 150 200 feet away i was trying to stay off of it so i could get and i realized that that wasn't the treetop that was the dark mass of a school of 30 to 50 largemouth that were all three to five pounds that were swimming in unison underneath the surface oh yeah and i mean i never caught a single one of them they never spooked they literally just sunk out of sight but i'm on the front deck just losing my gourd going look at that look at that look at that, look at that. my co-angler up there go look at the look at all mini and i mean i'm flogging the water with them they didn't they didn't care i mean oh, eight years ago they already knew what the hell the game was yep all right so and then i got a, i got another side bet for you after this so okay uh this term will take 16 a day to win and it'll take 12 and a half it's not easy to, to have a two and a half pound average if if there is a cold snap and the top water bite is on the weights will be heavier uh it is early enough in october though to where it'll still probably be pretty warm so 16 a day to win uh, that's 49 pounds. So between 49 and 50 pounds, 12 and a half a day between 24, I think, I think 23 and a half could be 60th place and 24 and a half could be 30th place. It's going to be jammed up isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to lose when, when you, when you get one of those mag spots on, you do not want to lose it. All right. I'm going to say 47 to win. And I'm going to say, uh, you know, 23 and a half for yeah. get paid. I mean, I'm obviously no Jamie Rampy out there or anything like that, but I do enjoy the fishery. But and that brings up a good point for the final event. You know, there will be open spots for guys to get in the event, and so that's Brian New, up the Jamie Rampies, Brandon Cobb might jump into that one. Guys like that. Yeah, Brian New, he top tended it a couple years ago. Yeah, perfect example. So those later events, there's there's always room for some local hammers, you know, uh, to get in it. So, all right, what's the other side bet? All right, side bet for you. You know, behind the scenes, we talk about a lot of anglers, okay? We're going to make a fantasy team for the open anglers. And I know you've got the list in front of you. I don't have the list, so we're, I just got to wing it. Five anglers, you have to be on that team. Who's going to fin- Who's going to pick the highest finishing team? You ready for this? We have to put each, each other, or we have to put ourselves on that team, so we're picking yeah. four yeah. anglers? Four anglers, and we're the default on our own team. Okay, we're, let's, uh, let's alternate. You can go first. I'll take Dakota Eber. Shocker. <laughs> uh, I am going to go with Cody Meyer. Ah, that was my second pick. <laughs> mm. I'm going to take Tucker Smith. Oh, that's a good one. And I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm having to go off the cuff here. Yeah, I do have the uh, I do have the list. Okay, can, let's make a point. We can't pick anyone who's on the Elite Series currently who's fishing all of them. Correct. So no Kenta Kimura. I don't know who else is fishing all of them. Yeah. Uh, I am going with Sam George. Hmm. I'm going to take Randall Tharp. Okay. Uh, I am going with Brett Height. Ooh. I don't know how many Chatterbait events we got, but that dude can do it all, too. He's got a Tharp. robo-worm named after him, bro. <laughs> be hyped to light. All right. I'm going to pick one that is so off the radar, but when I say it, you're going to be like, damn good pick. My fourth okay. guy, Cliff Pace. 
Oh, that was who I was going to pick next. That is a fish-catching machine right there. And look, you, you know that none of these guys are going to make it. It's going to be some obscure college kid or whatever <laughs> that's coming out. Uh, I got one more, or a couple more, two more. One more. Um, no, I got two more. You have one more. One more. I have Cody Myers. Oh, yeah, one more. So you've got Dakota Ebear, Tucker Smith, Randall Tharp, and Cliff Pace. And I've and got Cl- Cody Meyer, Sam George, Brett Height. So I know a lot of those younger guys' names. And look, there's a couple of guys that have fished the opens for years that have come close. What's that oh. guy? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to go with. I feel like last year I we all thought that experience would play such a big role and there wasn't a single angler that made it with the experience. So, I mean, you're obviously tempted to go with a Russ Lane or a Mike McClellan or, you know, one of those guys. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with a guy that's been very impressive to me. I mentioned earlier in the show and that's Andrew Loberg. Oh, I said he moved from California in Alabama. You know, he's going to have that stuff dialed in. He's going to be comfortable around the grass. He's a young kid who has already made his mark and is going to be a hundred percent dialed in with connections. I think he's going to be extremely strong. And I didn't even realize he was fishing it until a couple days ago, all nine, but he's he, Andrew Loberg will be on FS one several times this year in the opens. Absolutely. Because that his rookie year fishing the MLF, you know, uh, pro circuit at the time. I mean, he made multiple top cuts and look, there's mm-hmm. going to be there um, that, you know, I, we don't even know the full list yet. Or do you have it? Yeah, I got it out. I got it in front of me. Oh, okay. Dakota Eber. Eber was like a late, late ad. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of familiar names on here. A lot of guys with a lot of experience. A lot of young guys. And, and look, uh, if I had to pick a fifth, and I mentioned his name earlier, also, Joey Nanya is on the birch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with- being in his back door, but look, it could be a push because he won over there at you follow Oklahoma. Um, it, you know, if he was, he'd be my sixth or he'd be my fifth, you know, I mean, you don't want to, I got a, I got a fifth then too. Cause uh, last year, my roommate, Andrew Upshaw was close. He made like one, one bad decision uh, that kept him from being right in the thick of things at the end. And he's got the TV show rolling and I see what he puts into it. And, he's next level on some stuff and like he won't say it because he's a professional angler. He has a tour win. He has a Toyota series win, but he's had some bad luck happen the last couple years. And he was one of those guys who's come in and you go, Ooh, Upshaw had nine pounds and you get back to the house. And like I said, I'll never say it publicly, but he's like, yeah, I dumped a five. I had a six jump off. I should have had, you know, he went into that Lake of the Ozarks event needing to catch him. He swung, he connected and just had weird stuff happen at the side of the boat where the fish didn't make it in the boat. Otherwise, he's in Florida fishing for one of those 10 spots. Yep. Okay, so let's do this. You, that, that's your sixth guy. That's our yep. alternate. If one of your guys drops out during the season, then you get to slide your alternate guy in. You know, because you never know if a guy says, I'm not going to the last event. I'm not going to the last. Who was your fifth guy? Uh, uh, Joey Nania. Okay. Nania. Okay. Is he's been close several times to making the elites now for he's seven. been like two points away. That's why I picked Sam George. George is always within five points of it. He's made the elite series like three times the year after they changed the rule on what the qualifying was. That's right. Like that's a tough pill to swallow. Well, Dan, 
Panger, you and I are the wild cards on our team, aren't we? Because I mean, you know, by I, far, I'm the biggest wild card on my team. And, and you know, I can be consistent plus mm-hmm. or three pounder or one bad decision as well. And I think that, you know, uh, Andrew has the same situation where he's one bad finish, you know, that can make the wheels fall off, you know, and it, because again, that's what our track record says. And, you know, that's a consistent catcher. Everybody we got a consistent catcher. I think Randall Tharp is my biggest home run hitter. Uh, out of out of my team uh, but I think everybody can just be consistent there's so many guys that I feel like we left out that were sliding by not putting them in I mean Ty Ow, he's a well, really good angler who's fishing it ish he's got a year back under his belt with the co-anglers in the big fields you don't want to tell me ish who hasn't fished a big field like that who has a lot of open winds under his belt isn't going to say okay these are some things I need to switch up for the pressure of these fisheries and you don't think he's pissed that he's got to fish the opens for another year. Guaranteed he is. I, I'm staying with Ish at some events. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I, I, I get it. Um, but I did some videos with him, you know, and they, those actually did real well on the TikTok channel uh, because he's not afraid to speak his mind. But look, I'm not slighting anybody. I didn't have the list in front of me. <laughs> These are his yeah. names. Remember, huh, just me, just me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for everybody that I slighted. On that list, if you're listening, the good thing is I could only piss off like 145 people because there's only 104, like 52. And, and look, if we would have done this thing last year, talking about these anglers fishing it, um, we we all would have been stomped. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, but because again, and we're probably going to be wrong again. Uh, we're going to look like fools. We said at the beginning, underestimated the field. Um, I mean, these anglers are getting better and better. And again, I don't keep up with the college fishing. But that college fishing is that training ground for the pro tour. And that's one reason we're not getting as many co-anglers anymore is these guys are going straight from college fishing straight to trying to make a living as a pro. And, you know, the term living is loosely used because uh, the realities of it's a lot different than, hey, I won my entropies back and did this, that and the other. And there's there's a lot of names on that list that did not come back from last year's EQ that I would have thought whether you know, they had financial backing or family money or whatever else that they were in it to make the long haul. But it takes, it's hard for a guy like me and Ish and Niggemeyer, you know, Blake Smith, or I mean, Russ Lane, we've been doing this for so long, making a living doing this, that it's, this was the best option we had going forward in our careers. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. said. All right. I believe 151 will start out there says 150 on here. That was before Ebear kind of made his surprise announcement. So let's just say 151 start on day one at Okeechobee. How many EQ guys make the last cast on Hartwell? What's the what's the war of attrition? Because I was shocked at how many guys stuck around this year. Yeah, but for this the duration sch- of the year, this schedule is brutal with the travel. It, it's more than an wait. elite series travel schedule for the opens. We have more practice days and we have more miles from epicenter travel than the elite series. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I go from Okeechobee. My home is on the way to Washita, so I mean, it's it, that one is beneficial to me. And Washita is the closest to my house. I'm like three and a half from there. Uh, you follow Oklahoma is the next closest, and I'm four hours from there. And then after that, I think the next closest is like 800 miles, you know, living here down in Shreveport. Um, I'm going to say at the end of the year, we've got 132, the original nine or 100 of the EQ guys. Wow. I'm going to say 105. You think there's going to be that much drop off? Yeah. I think there's a bunch of guys that are 
not going to want to drive back out to South Carolina for the second time. <laughs> well, this time, how many how many finished over the amount of guys that started on the EQs? What's that? How many finished down there in Florida that started? I think it out of 175, I think it was like 120 or 130. Oh, okay. And because that's a long, brutal drive as well. Yeah. And that was why it was so far away. Like if it had ended on grand or something, I would have jumped in. But I mean, you have the guys that are out there on the coast, but you've got, I mean, you're looking at it from the state. I mean, the biggest, the biggest state is uh, Alabama and Texas, obviously, but dude, that is a long haul from Texas, especially after you just got back from Wisconsin. Yeah. And the thing is about the last event, what people don't realize also is the plans for the next year are announced. And so a guy that's wanting to fish and, and it's not set up where you have to like finish so high in the points to get priority because if you want to fish all nine of the EQs, then you're going to be able to get in. It's not like you need yeah. a priority code or, oh, I need to finish all of them or they're not going to let me in. But that's what they've got set up for this year. We don't know what the next year is going to entail as far as qualifying to fish. That's very on. true. Yeah, we might be, you have to finish, fish all of them, or to, you might be trying, you might come out to say, hey, if you're in the top 50, you get to, you know, some little carrot where you're like, hey, I, I got to go. Yeah, always so. afraid of what they're going to do. Oh, they're going to make just an EQ schedule in the future where it's, that you. that's all it'll be. It won't be any jackpotters. It's mm-hmm. only, guys. they might drop it down to say six events. And for me personally, I think, for the EQs, I mean, they could make it six events and it would get the same outcome as having nine events and mm-hmm. not cost the guy nearly as much money. Because, I mean, you look at after six events last year, most of those guys that were in the top 10 still finished in the top 20 after six events. So you're going to still get that diversity of fisheries. It's not going to cost nearly as much because the bankroll that a guy has to have or sponsor support is still awfully high for a guy to fish the EQs as it is to fish the elites. Yeah, it is. So All right, we're in, you're good. Go ahead. Anyway, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, you got a lot going on. You got like a on the water lessons going on. You got the TikTok thing going on. Uh, give you a chance to kind of talk about uh, what you're working on off the water uh, to get through this year. And then, you know, any sponsor changes, additions, who's back in 2024. So BTL with Clark Ream. I enjoyed the hell out of that, man. I thought that was interesting. And look, this is the conversations that we have in person. That's what people don't realize. When you're talking to Ish or Castledine, these are the same exact conversations we would have sitting around drinking a beer, me driving to a tournament. This is the same conversation you and I just had every yeah. year. Maybe you have them with Ish at Castledine. They just save the they just they just take shots at me on uh, open pros pick them. They don't they don't call me just to chat, Clark. Y'all I'm not haven't reached that status yet. Y'all doing that again this year? I'm, I'm if, sure I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. If I've invited, if Andrew does it again, I've, I'll be there. I'll be the punch it boy. Y'all need the fantasy football punishments for losers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be back right after these. Shoreline Boat and RV. Dock rash, storm damage, collision repair. That deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water. Fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new. Quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com. Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries 
It's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. All right, wrapping things up back here at BTL. All right, you do like the big TikTok thing. Like there's a big community of fishing people on TikTok. I am not one of those, so I, but there's a bunch of people that are. So for those that are, you got a cool gig going. Yeah. One of those things that, I mean, social media is a major part of the world today. You know, TV is dying. Uh, you know, sponsorships are changing with people. And ultimately, you know, people's sources of entertainment now is their phone, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, those are your main ones right there. And, you know, I got into TikTok a little late to the game, but not like totally. It's not like I just started. I've been doing it now for a year and a half, two years, I think. Um, but it got to where Facebook and Instagram and YouTube were throttling content. You know, and so I'd create content and nobody would see it. And so... Mm -hmm jumped on the TikTok because I could sit there and just make all sorts of content. And for those of y'all that know me, I'm a talker and I'm not entertaining. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to make stupid, goofy videos. I'm not funny, um, but I'm educational. I try and teach people different things. And one of the niches that I've really taken over uh, is, you know, the electronic side of it on TikTok. I throw out a lot of videos, a lot of interpretation videos not as much of the forward-facing sonar stuff. A lot of it is still side scan, structure scan, 2D sonar. I made a post yesterday about 2D sonar because there's still a big contingent of people that does not have forward-facing sonar. And you can still catch fish using this other stuff. And I teach people in my classes that you have control over so many things in the course of a day. And where you stop the boat is the number one thing you have control over. So I don't care how good a scoper you are. Yes, you can go to wherever release fish are at at a lake. And we're sending more and more of that where that's the game plan. Uh, but if you go and you know how to scope or uh, to, to scan and look for fish, mm -hmm. find shad, where to stop the boat, that makes a big difference. And so I teach classes like that at Sam Rayburn uh, called the Elite Angler Academy. I teach electronics, but it's more teaching people how to use technology and resources to find and catch more fish. And a lot of the stuff I teach is things that I've seen on the water from traveling around a lot of extensive time at Sam Raver and other East Texas lakes. But there's only so much information in Bassmaster Magazine, YouTube videos, whatever else, that's unique. A lot of it's regurgitated information that people have learned their entire lives, and they say the same thing over and over again. You read the same articles, it's the same information, and most people have the same information. Because that's what they've read and what's been known. But guys that are on the water all the time see other things. And fish at Sam Rayburn are different than fish in Florida. They're different than TVA fish. They're different than Hartwell fish. Uh, and they can't make blanket statements about bass fishing that are going to cover bass as a whole and fishing as a whole. So that's the type of stuff that I try and teach uh, via my TikTok videos and through my classes there at Sam Rayburn. Website to check that out, Elite Angler Academy. Yeah, I haven't updated it yet. That's on the list, among okay, other things. So just get with you on social media. Yeah, 
social media, I mean, websites are becoming more and more obsolete. It's more of a placeholder. Um, you know, you're able, and again, I'm starting to post more and more videos on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, but again, TikTok is where I do a lot of my stuff. Uh, that community is there for a lot of information. It's quick entertainment. Um, you know, so that's kind of the avenue that I've chosen more than anything else. They all have value to sponsors and everything else. But at the same time, it's which one do you feel comfortable doing? You know, the yeah. YouTube, YouTube videos take too long to edit to make a good video. And ultimately, you know, I made some really good videos or what I thought was really good videos when I was doing t uh, YouTube and nobody saw them because YouTube didn't tell people to watch those videos. And that's a big part of it. That's why you're seeing the same creators always popping up where there's a ton of guys making video content. And I just, you know, didn't want to make a really good uh, tournament recap video and nobody see it. And you spend hours and hours editing that video, whereas I can make a quick video on my phone takes me less than five minutes to edit it and slap it up and, you know, and 10,000 people see it or 50,000 or whatever else. And I'm building a lot of content with other anglers. I'd rather make mm -hmm. content with say ish. I did videos with him. I did videos with Paul Elias the other day. Um, I've done different lives with people uh, where I try and ask different questions. Um, and I mean, I'll tell you one about Paul Elias. I saw him at the boat ramp the other day. He was practicing for the MLF event at Rayburn before it went off limits. I had a guide trip that day and, he was asking me about a place to rent to stay. And I was like, well, I've got a house down there. I got an open bed tonight. Uh, so he came and stayed there. He just started talking. You know, I've known him a long time since I was like in college because he come over to David Wharton's house and I'd go over there and hang out with these old timer pros whenever I was that snot nosed kid. Um, and he started talking about the A-Rig. And I said, wait a second. Because he threw out a number. And I said, wait a second. Do you mind talking about that on video? And we shot some video footage. He gave me the whole story of like Andy Poss. Of, uh, isn't that his name? Andy Poss who created the Avery? Yeah, because I just, yeah, I just talked about it with Russ yesterday. I didn't know that you you had done that. Yeah, so he he told me the story about Andy Poss, talking to him about it, showing it to him. He's looking at it like, what is this stupid thing right here? Just like we all did when yep. they were out. He talked about that Gunnersville tournament. But the most, the incredible part of the story wasn't that aspect of it. It was on part two it was like an eight minute long video and I made it two parts. Part two, he talks about Bass banning it, you know? And I remember being at that meeting. Oh, he was livid. Russ was livid. I remember him at that video getting fired up. Well, so was Paul. Paul was livid. Well, Paul just sat there. He just sat there. He was so mad that he was afraid to say something. Because, and this is in my video, he talks about how much his royalty check was for that first quarter when <laughs> It came out. So to actually have a pro honestly say dollar amounts for a sponsorship or what this deal was, how much royalty money he got in the first quarter was just staggering. And then when Bass banned it and a lot of other tournament trails followed suit after that, then the numbers just diminished drastically. And so, I mean, I, you know, content like that is the things that I'm trying to bring out. Uh, and I've got access to a lot of pros. I think we're gonna do a lot more content like that at, at opens this year because there's quite a few of them there uh, and I'll chop that stuff up. So, you know, there's some good stuff there. I've got ish talking about, you know, I told him, Hey man, I want you to talk about baits that you're not sponsored by. I did that see that that made its way to Instagram. Yeah, it was and somebody, somebody else posted that. I didn't post it. They ripped my video off and, and shared it. And I think his Instagram post got like 50,000 views and it was like, all right, be honest. Talk about the baits that you're not pimping out and whoring. 
because everybody can see your jersey. We know you've talked about missile baits. We know you've talked about, you know, river to sea. What are baits people need to have in their tackle box? And he actually named off names, brands, products. And to get honesty like that, that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to share content that's the same guy, the same crap that somebody's saying. I like it back with Epic this year. Absolutely. At, you know, Epic's one of those relationship deals. Uh, the owner, Brian Knighton, phenomenal guy, Gary, you know, they're coming out. They, they had a whole line of products, okay? And they've got a massive pro staff. You're seeing more and more guys coming on board, and they're listening to their pros. Like, I mean, we had a spinnerbait. They're ditching that spinnerbait. We got the Wesley Strader spinnerbait coming out. Oh, you know? that's big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you allowed a- to talk about that? It's coming. I never heard that. This is breaking news to me. I mean, yeah. he's the, he's, I've, what did he use to throw the, the bango blade? The Sloan. No, the Sloan. Yeah. Was it okay. called the bango? I don't remember. The Zorro? When is Zorro? No. Uh, I just know we did a one on, like, I just know that he's got a spinner bait and it's his spinner bait and it's the spinner bait. It's coming. And, uh, you know, like Matt Becker just redesigned a jig. We got a J wheel jig coming out. Um, we got a new shaky head that's coming out. You think, well, a shaky head is what it is. The holdup was we were waiting on our patent to come out for that shaky head. In fact, it's ready right now. Um, and it's got a different bend. And this is a Scott Suggs design. And this is what he'd been doing for years. And he'd been teaching other pros how to bend this hook and do these different things. And so we've got a Scott Suggs shaky head coming out that's different than the other shaky heads on the market. And so we've got other products coming out of various degrees that, you know, constantly coming out. So even though we started off with products that are great, we are changing them to meet the needs of these pros. And so when guys say, oh, here's a newsflash for people, just because a pro's picture is on a package doesn't mean he designed it, okay? A lot of times companies say, all right, here's 10 crankbaits. Go try them out. Tell me which one you like, and that's what you got, okay? These pros are actually sitting there saying, no, this sucks. Change this. Do this. Adjust this. Or, hey, I've got this built right here. You know, and that always happened with these companies because manufacturing is a tricky deal for all these companies. They've already got the stuff built. They just want to put a name to it. And so these pros at Epic are sitting there actually developing new and innovative designs off of what currently exists or what their pro tour careers have, you know, made them modify these baits to make them better. Anything else you want to get in here before I let you go, man? We've got an hour and 31 minutes today, Clark. <laughs> well, you knew I was a talker. You knew you were in for it. I know. I know. I blocked out an hour and a half. Look, look. I mean, I got the Yamamoto stuff behind me. It is I hard. noticed that. That's a that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of Yamamoto there. Look, I, I'm part of the GSM family. Again, they are expanding drastically. You see them picking up, acquiring more companies and stuff. Um, you know, but the funny thing is, almost all of these are the same exact color. Hey, go down to that lower corner. Down here? The Daiwa make. Are those the ones that have, are fat with the little tail on them? Some of them are, yeah. Yep. Those are, and, those and are I, legit. I had bought that stuff for a while, you know. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they've got that's phenomenal. And GSM is doing the same deal, you know, developing new stuff, picking up mm-hmm. new companies. Um, and, again, I catch probably half the fish I weigh in every year is on a Senko at this point in time. I'm uh, sorry. Is it, oh, <laughs> I know, it's a catches fish. It, it is a check cashing money. Maker. I agree. I know it's got what caught more fish than any other fish in soft plastic history. Probably. It's good. <laughs> and Especially in tournaments. 
Ish even said it in his video. I've asked John Cruz at Missile make a Cinco, and Cruz even says, why would I? You make one better than that. Mm -hmm. That's a testament right there. Yeah. Well, like I said, any bait that an entire genre of bait is called by a brand name, a when fluke, a Cinco, a chatterbait, and even that the chat says something. Even the chatterbait's been replaced as a jackhammer. Yeah. You, know, you have got the... When your product is the brand, that's that's a testament right there. Perfect. All right, Clark, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate the time. Like I said, I enjoyed that. I, I'll be interested to see what the locals think about our take on some of the uh, on some of the fisheries we discussed. Yeah, and, and y'all throw up your fantasy teams too. You know, I, I know Bass doesn't have fantasy fishing for the opens, but you know, it's going to be nice having those two fivers here in my shop. You know, from Patrick, I might actually spend one of them. All right. Take it easy. <laughs> See you, Clark. Bye. All right. That is Clark Ream as we get things rolling here for the Bassmaster Open EQ. All right. Check the website. I still update it. Basszone.com for what we have going on the rest of the week. This has been another edition of BTL. Bass Talk Live. Talk to everyone later. See ya. <laughs>